0: Grow It Minnesota, the podcast about growing fruit, vegetables, flowers, and anything else in a cold, cold climate. I'm Mary Shear, a home gardener and author of the book, The Northern Gardener, From Apples to Zinnias. On this program, we talk to some of the best gardeners in the Midwest, so you can grow a more productive, beautiful garden, no matter the weather. Let's get on to today's guest Today, my guest is Amy Kynes, a home gardener in the Twin Cities, a pollinator lover, and a midwife to monarchs, many, many monarchs every season. Um, And she's also got a beautiful flower and vegetable garden. And uh, last week, I was talking, I was cruising through Instagram, and I came across a post uh, from Amy where she was already starting seeds, indoors and outdoors using winter sowing. And so I thought we could talk a little bit about growing plants from seed. Um, so Amy, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Mary. Thank you for having me. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your garden journey, how you got started gardening, what, how long you've been at it, you know, and what's the, what's the story?
1: Well, I grew up in central Minnesota in the 80s, so I spent a lot of time playing outside, surrounded by gardens and prairie landscapes, and I've always been naturally drawn to the outdoors, and the act of gardening has been very therapeutic for me. Mm -hmm. I became an avid gardener in 2009 when we bought our first home. Our home is located on a beautiful half-acre piece of land um, in an older urban neighborhood in central Minnesota. Over-
0: nice. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> jealous of that half acre. <laughs> uh,
1: over the last 11 years, I've spent a lot of time just studying flowers and vegetable gardening on my own. And I have tried to create a kind of garden paradise in our yard for both my family and wildlife.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so part of that paradise is I know you have like a monarch way station. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell people about what that means and what you have to do to create that.
1: Well, um, my whole yard is kind of one giant garden. Um, I have ended up establishing about 10 large perennial flower garden beds, and then including 11 raised vegetable garden beds. And then I did certify my half acre of uh, land with um, being a certified uh, wildlife habitat and a monarch way station. So the monarch way station is each summer I raise and release monarch butterflies in my yard. And I do that by growing several varieties of milkweed and pollinator, pollinator plants on my property. Uh, throughout the summer, I collect the eggs off the milkweed, take them indoors, hatch the eggs, raise the caterpillars, and then release those butterflies back into my yard after they've emerged. Um, in total, I've raised and released 271 monarch butterflies so
0: far. Wow.
1: Yeah. And then um, also a part of. Monarch Way Station is I've certified my yard as a wildlife habitat. And that just means I grow a lot of organic pollinator friendly flowers. I don't use any pesticides or herbicides on my property. And I um, take a lot of time and effort to provide food, water, cover and um, natural shelters for wildlife and insects.
0: Mm -hmm. And what are some of the pollinator flowers, the pollinator plants that you think work best for attracting butterflies, bees, you know, wildlife generally?
1: My favorites are um, prairie blazing star, Mm -hmm. uh, Mexican sunflowers, zinnias, bee balm, anise hyssop, and of course, um, milkweed, anything that's purple or blue, butterflies and other insects really love.
0: Yeah, and they also really like the orange ones.
1: Yes, the the Mexican sunflower, the torch variety, that is very beautiful and they go wild for that.
0: Yeah, I've got that one too. It's it's a fabulous annual plant. So, it is we are talking on February 10th and you've already started your seeds. Mhm. What are you starting early and why are you starting so early?
1: Well, I start in late January and I continue through February, March um, because I grow so many different flowers and vegetables each year. Um, Here in Minnesota, though, I would definitely recommend the average gardener or beginner gardener to start sowing their seeds in March, about eight to 10 weeks before their last frost.
0: And what you but you start earlier. So what what is the benefit that you're getting by starting earlier?
1: Well, I grow so many plants that I just, I need that extra time to, <laughs> uh, to to get them, you know, all ready and to be ready to be transplanted by, uh, usually I transplant everything out by May 15th, um, mm-hmm. last, but you should wait till your last frost date in your area though. And I'm in central Minnesota zone 4B, so that's usually when I bring them outside is in um, May 15th.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good bet usually. And so I noticed on your Instagram, and by the way, her Instagram title is Milkweed and Daisies. If you want to follow Amy, Um, you use both the winter sowing method and then you also do indoor seed starting. So, what do you do the winter sowing method for? Um, And maybe explain a little bit about what that is.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a popular trend right now, Um, and you just take uh, cheap and I mean, it's really a cheap and easy way to go about it. You don't need a lot of space. Everything can be done inside and then put outside. Um, You can use recycled clear plastic containers and then just put um, top and bottom drainage holes in them. You fill your container with three to six inches of soil, plant your seeds, water them, make sure it's all secure with uh, a clear or, or regular duct tape, and then you set them outside and you kind of let nature take its course over the next few months, and then, of course, when spring spring pops up, uh, your flowers or vegetables will start to grow.
0: Yeah, but not that doesn't work with everything, right? No. So what are What are you What are you doing for winter sowing?
1: I like to stick with herbs and flowers for myself, but you can definitely do uh, vegetables like kale, cabbage, radishes. Uh, the herbs I am uh, and flowers that I'm growing through winter seeding is zinnias, marigolds, hollyhocks, and a lot of native plants that need that kind of cold stratification um, to, to get out of that dormancy.
0: Right. And they're, they're ones that the, the, the native plants or the perennial plants they're, they're ones that would be outside all winter anyway. Exactly. They're yeah. not an annual that's going to die back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in uh, what, and then do you also start flowers indoors under lights as I, well? Yes. I
1: have a really nice seed starting setup for that. I have a large wire shelving unit, like four to five, um, four feet wide and five feet tall, and then two smaller units And then I use uh, LED lights. So I have about five LED shop lights. Mm -hmm. Um, And those you want to get that are 5,000 to 6,000 kelvins and 3,500 plus lumens. That's going to give you um, uh, closer to natural light. And also LEDs are a little bit more cost effective.
0: Right. And they last forever.
1: Yes, they do. I also use two heating mats and Mm -hmm. oscillating fans. Of course, you'll need your seed starting trays with domes. And then you'll also have to buy your seed starter mix and then
0: your seeds. And I know you use um, a little different. You don't just buy like a seed starting mix or a potting mix for the soil. You kind of tweak the recipe. I do. Uh, so what do you do and why do you do that? Well, I
1: Well, First off, I buy a seed starting mix, which you can just, just use that. Um, a beginner gardeners, I would highly recommend just starting with that. But since I've been um, growing flowers for so long and vegetables, I found that if you tweak it a little bit, it's, it helps with a better transplant and your roots are a little bit stronger and they can withstand being, you know, they're not going to get transplant shock. I use a really light and fluffy combination of peat soil, or you can use coconut coir, perlite, and then potting soil, just straight up potting soil. And I mix all of that together. um, to come up with my concoction of
0: (laughs) my mix. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is it's really light so that the roots can kind of get into it. Yes. Yep. And And then the potting soil soil adds some fertilizer usually too.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I don't ever add any fertilizers uh, throughout my growing station before I transplant them out.
0: Wow. And the stuff that's under light, so most of that is started in March, Right, or
1: I would recommend the average gardener doing it in March. I will definitely do it earlier than that, just because I have so many plants to grow. Um, Mm -hmm. March is a great time to get those seeds uh, in your trays under those lights and get them nice and strong for transplanting.
0: Right. But if you start them earlier, how are you, do you have to, you have to hold them until it's warm enough to go outside unless you've got a greenhouse, right?
1: Um, I've got a very large basement where I set up a nice seed station. I also have a three season porch. So nicer days in April, I can set them outside and, um, you know, even keep them overnight in April. I'm Mm -hmm. always checking the uh, temperatures though.
0: Yeah. So you must have your cart. You should have your carts on wheels so you can move them in and out of the porch.
1: I have a a large card table that I put all my flowers and vegetables on. I just move it outside and inside each day.
0: Yeah, yeah, a three-season porch I think is the gardener's best friend. It is. It really (laughs) is. I don't have one, but (laughs) they they seem to be really nice to have. Yeah, so well, well, let's talk about um, some of your favorite varieties of flowers to grow from seed. Okay, Um,
1: well, first of all, I have to start off with I have over one hundred and twenty different types of perennial flowers on my property, and they're all a mix of edible, native, pollinator, and cut flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to grow around 60 annual varieties each year and then add like five to ten new perennial plants to my garden each year. But my favorites are zinnias, milkweed, hollyhocks, daisies, uh, of course. <laughs> and then I'm really excited to grow this year um, snapdragons, strawflowers, and then I'm going to do some goldenrod, uh, both showy and stiff.
0: Wow. And do you have some uh, favorite purveyors of seed? You know, seed sellers that you buy from?
1: I do. Um, There are so many local and national seed companies to buy from and support. I really like Prairie Moon Nursery. They're from Minnesota. So I get um, my native plants from them. And then I've found that botanical interest has a very wide variety and they're very dependable. So those are my two uh, two, two, to go to uh, seed companies.
0: Yeah, and I've used both of those as well. The nice thing about, I mean, the, the prairie uh, moon plants, they also come, if you buy the plugs that come in trays, which I have bought, they they make fabulous seed-starting trays. Oh, I haven't done that yet. Uh, yeah, they're the best seed-starting trays around is to reuse those plug trays. Um, but Botanical Interest also gives you a lot of information on the seed packet.
1: They do, and that's very and, important to read those seed
0: packets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're starting those seeds indoors, um, you're not starting them all at once, obviously. So what do you what do you use to determine when you start which of the flower seeds? Um, so I,
1: again, I look on my seed packet or I do a quick Google search to see the germination time and, you know, when they're going to bloom. Um, I like to try to hold off on taller plants <laughs> till the end, just because they take up so much more room. And depending on what other things I'm growing, I always want to keep my lights at about an inch above my plant. Um, and that'll keep them nice and strong until I transplant them outside.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the tall ones would be things like the tall zinnias, hollyhocks. Yeah, those would probably wait on a little. Yeah. Yes. Now, a lot of plant seed packets will say, um, "Just uh, uh, put it in the dirt. You know, put it outside, seed it outside." Do you do that much, or do you pre-start them indoors? Most plants, most of your flowers.
1: Most of my plants I am doing inside now. Uh, It helps me to get through the winter months here in Minnesota. And um, also, I've just found that growing them inside, I get those blooms quicker. I see the wildlife and, you know, the insects coming to my yard faster. And that's what I really want to do and enjoy throughout my summer is having those fresh blooms right away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think it's just a little more reliable in Minnesota because our soil temperature can be pretty chilly. True. For a long time. I mean, sometimes it's, if you're in central Minnesota, you know, it could be June before the soil temperature is up in the, you know, high fifties. Yeah. some of them need that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I used to grow zinnias and marigolds, just, you know, scatter them on the ground and they took forever to grow. And now I'm having, you know, zinnias in, you know, mid-June.
0: Mm-hmm. By starting them indoors. By starting Yeah. Them indoors, yeah. yeah. And what are, what are some of the easiest, like you were saying zinnias, things reminds me, I think zinnias are probably the easiest flower to start from seed. What are some of your favorites to start from seed that are just great for beginners?
1: For annuals, I would go with elysium, uh, calendula. I love petunias and marigolds. Marigolds, they're all really easy to grow. And for perennials, of course, hollyhocks aconacea, dianthesis, and yarrow. Um, Those are all gorgeous summer long and very easy to grow also.
0: Okay. Yeah, those are good good options. And do you have, you know, like among the varieties, you know, each is like the zinnias, there's like 400 different kinds of zinnias. Um, And I know not all of them are equal for pollinators. Yeah. So, what, do you have some that are your preferences? And you know, for pollin, if you're going to be a pollinator gardener, zinnias that you particularly like. Um, when it comes to
1: zinnias, I just think they're all around a great pollinator. But and a few of my favorites would be like the candy cane mix, queen lime, northern lights, and then those giant purple ones really attract pollinators.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, do they? Yes. Yeah. Good. I'm going to grow those this year. <laughs> I got the seeds already. And that's, that's another question I was going to ask you about seeds. Are you having trouble getting seeds this year?
1: I do not because I buy my seeds in the fall. Um, I don't wait till January or February. I I get online and I start searching in, you know, October, uh, November, and then I'm I'm set for, <laughs> I don't have to panic about, you know, Seeds. Uh, I also save seeds also. So always save your zinnia seeds, marigold seeds, um, uh, the liatris, if you want to grow like blazing star, those kind of plants, I would definitely save them at the end of the year in the uh, spring or I'm sorry, September or October, start saving those seeds.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've kind of, you, you grow so many different plants. I'm just trying to think of what your spring must be like. <laughs> um, do you have like special beds for cutting gardens or how, how do you get it all out there uh, in time? Um, <laughs> well, um, so I have so
1: many garden beds that I just, I, I kind of just feel where things should go to be honest. Yeah. Um, if I see a section that needs a little extra color, I, you know, I plant a bunch of zinnias there. Um, this year, I'm, I'm adding actually a couple more gardens. So I, just, I really kind of like that English garden kind of feel, um, where it's just tons of flowers, different kinds of varieties and heights, uh, colors. I really just go for a kind of natural flow of flowers.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have a background in art? Or, you know, (laughs) some people like those, those little, uh, you know, plant by numbers things. Yeah,
1: right? No, um, I actually did uh, go to college for art history. um, And I've just, I, yeah, the flowers, if I could have a career in flower gardening, that would be just ideal. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so you have also have a large vegetable garden. I do. Um, And uh, how is it arranged in your I mean, what's your sun and and, uh, your light situation on your on your property?
1: So the backyard is my pollinator garden Um, that gets both sun and shade. And then my vegetable garden is on my south side. So that's all day sun. And then my front yard kind of gets the evening, the evening sunlight. So, um, yeah, I just I try to, you know, read your seed packets, make sure, you know, what your flower needs. Does it need sun? Does it need shade? And just plant them in that specific location. A lot of the flowers that I grow on the south side are going to be companion plants for my vegetables.
0: So tell me what you when you say companion planting, how do you what are you talking about? What are you what are you meaning? So
1: companion plants will be plants that um, work well with your vegetables, they'll um, deter pests, they'll attract pollinators. um, And they just they they won't They won't mess up um, kind of the cycle of things. So nasturtiums, marigolds, uh, I love borage. Those are all really great companion plants that can go with almost any vegetable that you grow. You can get a little bit more specific and do quick Google searches and say, what companion flower works best with, you know, Brussels sprouts? And then you would be able to find that out. I'm always searching online what plant will do best with which uh, vegetable Mm
0: -hmm. I'm growing. Yeah. Yeah. And the nice thing about having the flowers in the vegetable beds is it also just looks prettier.
1: It does. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Although I've seen pictures from your Instagram of your vegetable gardens and they're lovely. (laughs) They're they're very nicely (laughs) kept up and very pretty, pretty, which is is great because I think vegetables can be lovely anyway. They are, yes. Yeah. Um, So let's... uh, talk a little bit about care you know when you've got things outdoors well sort of like how do you when you move things out do you how do you, do you harden these plants off or do you bring them in and outside or how how do you get the process of moving the flowers you've pre-started indoors to the outdoors
1: well in late april you'll want to gradually expose all of your plants to the outdoors you're going to start with one hour outside, kind of in a shady location. And then I would just work your way up over the next two to three weeks of bringing your plants outside for full days. Um, you don't want to just bring your plants outside one day on a really sunny day. It'll sun-scold them and that will kill your plants and all your hard work will be will be gone for the season. Um, like I said, I had a I have a long card table, so I'm moving those plants in and out each day. Um, And then at night, I'll sometimes leave them out on my covered porch if it's going to be a really nice uh, evening. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it takes about three weeks to sort of do that transition period for you? Yeah, I'd say
1: about three weeks. Um, Colder flowers or flowers that will acclimate better to cold, like pansies and Johnny Jump Ups, um, cone flowers, those I I sometimes just leave outside because, you know, it's not very sunny out in in April. Um, And if it is going to be a sunny day, I'm definitely going to bring them into a a shadier spot.
0: Right. And those actually can take, I mean, pansies can take almost into the 30s. Absolutely. they will be okay. Mm -hmm. And do you start those from seed, too? I do.
1: Yep. Pansies are great. They need sunlight to germinate. So make sure you don't cover those seeds or they don't, they don't need sunlight <laughs> um they need darkness to germinate so don't put those pansies under the light
0: Oh okay so you just cover them up with seed, with soil mm-hmm. and put them in a dark place for a while
1: that's what i do yep
0: hmm. and are those those bar ones i bet you've already started
1: i did i have started my pansies
0: <laughs> yeah cuz i've you know you see the pansy bowls and i get think that's one of the things that's an advantage of starting your flowers from seed is, you know, you can save a ton of money,
1: a ton, a ton of money.
0: You know, and and I'm, I'm all for buying a six pack of plants. So if you want a six pack, if you need them, you know, you want a supplement or something. But if you're on a budget as a gardener, seeds are your best friend. Really? That is the
1: main reason I started, uh, decided to start growing flowers was because of the cost. I was spending way too much money on flowers. Um, I just came to the re- realization that why spend $3 on a pack of six annuals or 8 bucks on a perennial plant when I could buy one seed packet for that price and get, you know, 50 plus flowers from it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the thing, though, with perennials is those are a little trickier to start from seed. And do do you, I mean, some of them require that cold stratification, as we talked about, which is they have to have a cold period and then they thaw and freeze and thaw and freeze and then they break their seed coat to germinate. Um, But uh, you don't necessarily get blooms the first year when you start from seed, correct? That is
1: for some of them. um, In general, I've noticed that I I get a lot of leafy greens the first year, but I will get some blooms. It depends on the variety of what you're growing. Herbs are another thing that um, are great to grow. And there are some uh, perennial herbs for Minnesota, like uh, Chinese motherwort, you know, anise hyssop. Those are all great pollinator plants also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it doesn't, do you have, does calendula come back for you as a, like a reseeder?
1: No, I do get borage though. Um, Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Borage is the plant that just keeps on giving. (laughs) I,
1: I harvest all of my seeds from my calendula. So that's why I don't think I, they come back just because I I'm always collecting them. I have so many seeds from that variety.
0: Yeah. And I've had the, um, I've when I lived in southern Minnesota, now I live in the Twin Cities, but when I lived in southern Minnesota, I did get my calendula came back. Um it was like reseeding itself. I mean it's yeah. not a it's not a perennial, it was just reseeding. So any advice, what advice would you give sort of a new gardener who wants to start growing flowers? What would be, you know, it's your first year or your second year, because there are a lot of people who started during the pandemic. Yeah. This is maybe your second year gardening. What's kind of your best advice for people to get started?
1: Well, before you buy your seeds, I'd start off by determining where you want your flowers. Will they be transplanted after you've grown them um, and put in a hanging basket or will they be at your front? door are they going to be in your backyard or as a companion plant in your vegetable garden so determine where you want your flowers to go after you've grown them and then go ahead and pick out your seeds and I would start small (laughs) I definitely wouldn't go overboard um, but yeah I think that's where you would start off
0: yeah. And I think that you you said you you keep adding gardens and that's actually I mean that is the gardener's lament. Yeah. <laughs> you keep adding one spot after another and, until you have no lawn, which is right. fine. It's quite yeah. a
1: good scene, yes.
0: Yeah, so did you did you when you bought your house did you start with just a smaller bed and then grow from there or
1: when we bought the home, there was a nice uh, smaller garden in the backyard, and I just started splitting all of those perennial plants and moving them around my yard and then adding flowers um, throughout the years.
0: Yeah. Okay, and so let's just um, end with what, it, what any tips you can give people who might want to raise monarchs or have monarchs in their yard. If
1: you'd like to uh, start a monarch way station, I would start off by buying lots of pollinator plants. We had talked about the zinnias, hollyhocks, um, those are all really great uh, flowers to start with. And then you're going to need milkweed. So milkweed's kind of hard to come by unless you're growing it or you got like a great swapper's meat that... Someone's growing milkweed on their own, but you'll definitely need milkweed, a couple different varieties in your yard if you'd like to start uh, raising and releasing monarch butterflies.
0: Mm-hmm. And once you have milkweed, I mean the common milkweed, um, which I had in my house that's in southern Minnesota, is pretty, um, pretty aggressive. About you know, it'll regrow for you. Yes. You'll find it everywhere. Once <laughs> once you've got it, you'll have it. Don't worry. Yes. I don't think that's as true with the orange milkweed, the Asclepius tuberosa. The butterfly weed? The butterfly weed. That one doesn't seem to produce as much. It
1: doesn't spread as much as common in swamp milkweed.
0: Well, Amy, this has been terrific. Thank you for all that great advice for new gardeners. And I will put links to your Instagram and other information in the show notes. But thanks very much. You're getting us excited for spring.
1: Yay. Thanks again, Mary.
0: Amy has such great advice for new gardeners. Start small, grow what you love, and read those seed packets. I've put a link in the show notes to more information about creating a Monarch way station on your property. Even if you don't want to hatch and raise Monarchs, you'll be doing a great service to pollinators of the North, and really the whole planet, by planting that kind of garden. If you are enjoying Grow It Minnesota, please subscribe, follow, and give us a review over on Apple Podcasts. That really helps me reach more cold climate gardeners. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another show.